0: and welcome to the 95th episode of the whispers in the dark podcast we are back after uh quite a few weeks months uh, since outlast 2 which was our last review podcast today we're going to do a- another review podcast this one on the latest uh, major horror release this year which we've had quite a few of surprisingly uh this one being the evil within 2 uh, of course i am your host cj and today i'm joined by rourke
1: and jordan
0: hello so we're going to talk about the Evil within 2 uh, at length, we're going to talk about uh, spoiler stuff, but not initially. We're going to let you know when spoilers are going to be brought in, so you can listen from here on until then if you have not yet played the game or just, you know, haven't gotten to a certain point. Uh, but to usually, to start off, uh, how are you guys doing? It's been a while. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, what have you guys been playing, though? Because we've had a lot of horror games to play this year.
1: Yeah, I've just been... Uh mostly working through just the remainder of the year for my personal Game of the Year list. So I'm trying to finish up the Horizon DLC, uh, Yakuza Kiwami, and I just played through Doom on the Switch. I should have a review, actually, uh, ready later today. Nice. Um,
2: I, I I saw that you were playing Doom on Switch. I thought about picking it up, but it's full price, and uh, for a year-old game, no.
1: Yeah, the full price thing is... <sighs> It's weird because I think a lot of the early games for Switch right now are suffering uh, for Nintendo's need to make up for the manufacturing cost, and I think mm. this is one of those. I like, And this is a, a matter of personal preference. I've put like 80 hours into the game on PS4, and I'm probably going to put just that many on Switch. I adore this game. I've played through it. This is my fourth or fifth time through. Um, and the ability to really just take it anywhere... And and it is a super competent version of the game. Uh, it, it does have some drawbacks, but this is Doom on the go, and I you know I love the game, so the ability to play it on a whim is, makes up for that for me.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I had a decidedly less positive experience, because uh, me being stupid, and despite reviews and despite what it looked like, I decided, hey, I love this series, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite can't be that bad wow is it bad uh i am it is impressively bad honestly like it's not just like oh the character models look kind of weird and it's like it's kind of lacking in features like no it's it's really bad the audio is super fucked um all the character like all the voice actors sound like they recorded in a bathroom you can hear like an actual echo to all their voices that's that's a shame the The direction in general feels kind of weak. Like, even though a lot of the characters are returning voices, it's it's Roger Craig Smith playing Chris Redfield, it's TJ Rotolo playing Frank West. They all sound kind of tired and bored. Um, I wonder if
0: they just you know fast tracked that game.
2: I I think for sure they fast tracked it because the other aspect of it is um like ninety percent of the content is recycled from All vs Capcom three and. They all very clearly are recycling animations and stuff like that. Even like even if it doesn't make sense necessarily, um, and it feels super fatiguing because like the jump from two to three was amazing. And when characters did uh, did animations they did in two, it was like wow because it's fully three D and it's it's like a twenty year difference between the two games. But here it's it's only like an eight year difference. And the character models look significantly worse than they did in 3. Um and it just on oh, the story is gibberish. Um I uh I was really looking forward to it finally having a story mode, but weirdly I thought that the little trailers they made for Marvel vs. Capcom 3 that had like no dialogue or nothing, it was just like little four-minute videos of the characters doing stuff, mm. I genuinely thought had a better story than this game did. <laughs> Um, cause that, like, they felt, I don't know, it felt natural. I liked the idea of them showing that, like, these two worlds were colliding and then, like, um, the, all, all of the characters, even the villains kind of had to come together to fight Galactus, that he was like this ultimate evil, worse than any of the villains could possibly be. Um, but in this game, the, the villain is Ultron Sigma. And I think only cause Ultron was in the new movie. when they, was in the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's just overall I was really disappointed. So I traded it in for Assassin's Creed Origins, which I'm loving. It's uh, the most
1: fun I've had with an Assassin's Creed game since two. Awesome. Yeah, that, that um, seems like a, a good trade up. I was I was incredibly excited. Well like I was jumping up and down screaming when Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite got announced because oh, I, I thought there was like there was no chance in hell that this would ever actually be a game again and as the story trailers and stuff kept coming out i got more and more i didn't even get the game and i'm a huge fighting game fan Uh, yeah i
2: you should have heard me because when it was announced i'm like i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna get an
1: xbox one fighting stick and i'm gonna pre-order the collector's edition no i I, saw the collector's edition edition and i was like oh i have to get like this is the one game i need a collector's edition on it didn't i know
0: i'm glad oh did you actually though no, fuck. No. Okay, good, because that they just gave you like nasty little plastic balls. Yeah. They they
2: look like they look like Easter eggs, like yeah. that you get at a dollar store.
0: It's just offensively. Just... And on
2: and on top of that, <sighs> this, it also comes with statues of, um, I think it's Iron Man X, Captain Marvel, and Ryu. It's chun Li. Oh, oh yeah, I think it's chun Li. No. Um, and they look like they were microwaved. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> ba- especially it's for the price awful. point.
1: It's a bad collector's edition. Uh, just, um,
0: let's just get the remaster of Ultimate uh, 3, yeah. I guess. That yeah. seems like the better uh, game.
2: But yeah, if anybody's out there wondering if Assassin's Creed Origins is better than the last eight years, I think, of Assassin's Creed games, it is. It's I really love it. I love the new character Bayek. Um, him and his world feel really fun. I love Egypt as a setting. Uh, and it's got a, quite a few surprises I wasn't expecting from an Assassin's Creed game anymore. Um, although it plays literally nothing whatsoever like an Assassin's Creed game, really, it's it. The controls are completely different. There's um, there's no free run anymore. Combat has been changed to be more like one-on-one focused. Um,
1: I've heard it's got a little bit of, like Dark Souls in its vein. It's
2: the 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 uh, the combat is very Dark Souls. It's very much based around like dodging and stamina and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I've also heard comparisons to Witcher.
2: Yes, uh, it's, that's the other thing is that like the Assassin's Creed games the side missions were always like raid a tomb or collect the feathers but there, it was never really more complicated than that for the most part. Um this game has like legit big side missions where like you have to like travel across the desert and and talk to people and find stuff and and hunt things. There's a whole uh system of hunting animals that you can use to craft new costumes. Um yeah, no, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, and uh, the uh, the Bayek also has a he has a assassin wife, uh, Aya, and she is so kick ass. And I'd love to just get a game where we play as her too. Yeah,
0: hmm. I haven't played that series since Brotherhood, which has been a very long. time. I own Syndicate, but I don't feel like really jumping into it. I might eventually, but yeah, it's the last one I've actually picked up. The uh, only reason because it came with the graphics card purchase but yeah <laughs> I, I didn't buy it outright and yeah, it's been a long time uh, on my end since the charity stream i've been playing well i've been trying to jump back into persona 5 to finish it i played a couple hours today probably gonna jump to that after we finish recording i really want to finish it um short opinion on it i as much as i love persona this one is not gripping me as much as four did i don't know whether that's because this one is too handholdy and too repetitive or just that I really got used to playing Persona games on portables, which is how I was introduced to the series. So, having to, like, you know, go to the couch and set up, like, console and jump on and sit there and try to, like, distract myself, not distract myself, from anything else is kind of difficult for some reason. On a portable, I'm just laying down somewhere super comfy on a pillow and just playing what's in my hand. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Uh, it's a good game, but yeah, definitely didn't have the impact that Ford did on me. Um,. As far as horror stuff, I've been playing Remothered, which I finished yesterday. It's an early access game on Steam. Um, basically, if you want a Clock Tower successor that's not Night Cry, and it's actually good, get this game. It is really good. It's very much a PS2-era horror classic just released today. Uh, with, without without those you know, super annoyances, it's pretty generous on its autosaves and uh, save location system. Um, objectives can be a little difficult to find. I guess, you know, you have to pay really close attention to the environment, which I guess could be an element that people appreciate. But, yeah, overall, really, really awesome um, early access game. It's basically nearly done level in terms of quality. Other than that, I haven't been trying to play too much. I've been trying to focus on one game at a time just for the sake of finishing the backlog. Uh, Next, I want to jump to Yakuza Kiwami, which will be my first Yakuza game. Looking forward to that. They look really silly.
1: Yeah, those games are. I Yakuza Zero earlier this year was my first game in that series, and like I was, I was just blown away by it. And I was lucky enough to find the steel book of Kiwami at a Walmart for fifteen bucks. So, oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I think
0: Kiwami, Kiwami released at like thirty bucks. Yeah, so, yeah, I was, super and cheap. I was
1: waiting for to find it, you know, a little bit cheaper. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I like. Steelbook. I'm liking it so far.
0: I wish I got the steel book of Zero, but uh, eventually, I'll pick yeah. it up. Um, But I think that's about it. Um, Nothing else new that I've been playing. Uh, so I guess if you guys are ready, we could jump to our talk on The Evil Within 2. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. So uh, I guess recap your review. Jordan, you did the full review for The Evil Within 2 and also um a preview uh,
1: before that. So generally, what did you think
0: for those who haven't read your review?
1: Man, that is a very, very good game. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Start to finish, I played through it three times, and I was, and one of those was for the the charity stream. Um, And then I I am going to start a fourth when I'm ready to when I have like a day off and nothing really to work on uh, because I want to get through it on the hardest difficulty. Yeah, it was. I was I was originally kind of put off by it. I I came out of the the preview feeling very favorable, Um, and then the game opens. It's kind of a it's a hard open into like just this big lore dump and at the same time trying to establish an emotional connection to Sebastian while also trying to explain the intricacies of stem from the first game while like making it a better explanation than the entire first game did. Yeah. Uh, it, it opens really quick and I was, and there there's, I think some of the worst dialogue in the game is also in that opening. Um, so I was I was kind of feeling because when I had talked to the creatives behind it, uh, they were very resolute on the the renewed focus on narrative and attention to character. And that's that's what I like to hear. So going into it, I was like, oh, boy, man, this is not going to turn out the way I want it. But uh, it, it it's a grower, not a shower, really. It. <laughs> it Gets better. I mean, like it, it gets better as it goes on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I can the see that. the systems get deeper, as the story unfolds, there's some really cool twists, and I think they stuck the the landing as far as the ending goes in a really good way.
0: Yeah, I can agree that without getting to spoilers, that it did have a a, a slow start, but eventually I started you know acclimating to the scenario, the characters like, like like Sebastian himself. He comes off a little weird in the start. He's like, "Oh, I'm gruff, dude, and
1: you betrayed me." Blah blah blah. It's like, no, oh, I've,
0: I've heard these lines before.
1: Yeah, I was just like, oh, we're we're going here, and I, and I really, as somebody who likes to write things, I was really, just like here and there. I was like, oh man, just take a take a second here, take an extra minute there to just flesh out this character in this moment, and we would be golden. But they they had to get the player into the action real quick, and I can I can understand that.
0: Yeah, one of the strangest things though is once you turn this game on, you get full control of the character. You're you're just taken aback at how different this game feels it's still very similar but this is what a game released in 2017 should feel like whereas Evil within one for me felt like here's resident evil 4 plus on you know current gen platforms and pc whatever it still feels like a game from back that era and it's just it's it's an acquired taste that's what i felt like the first game really was like it was a game for survival horror fans and re4 fans This one feels like a proper video game release today with a cohesive narrative. Whether it's good or not, it's still at least more cohesive than the first game, because that one was just a mess of terrible, terrible narrative.
1: Yeah, the first Evil Within, I actually reviewed... That was uh, some weird connective tissue. That was, like, the first uh, game I've ever reviewed for a website. Hmm. Um, And so I, I have some fond memories there, but yeah, the story was just... Like, for me, the gameplay, the tension... The enemy design, the art design, that was what made The Evil Within. The story was just a shambles. Um, yeah,
2: especially considering that that the game essentially leaves you with nothing but questions and no answers. And then a lot of the answers you get when you play the DLC, which pisses me off.
0: It felt like an overly dramatic uh, like Japanese video game like on the PS2. That's what the storytelling felt like. It reminded me of just that kind of loose... I'll oh, fill these your things your happening! With exactly. It, it exactly reminded me of like, that kind of Devil May Cry writing where I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, not is like this? Devil May
1: Cry 3 writing where you know characters and motivations. Just like, <laughs> these things are going to happen because we need... And, and a lot of it felt like kind of a greatest hits tour of horror tropes. Because um, mm-hmm. you go through yeah. every imaginable horror environment in that game, or, or the classics at least. And it, a lot of it feels... It almost reminds me of Condemned 2 where the story feels more like an excuse to get you from... we yeah, had, like, they, like they designed the world first and then wrote yes, a story around like, it. Like, we need a way to get you from this cool place to this cool place that we designed. Wow. Um, and Evil Within 2, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like they they thought of a world and a story to back it up, and then they filled in that world.
0: That's a good way to put it. I just let's see. So for me, I thought Evil Within was a really good surprise, and I I'm still blown away by how different and just better it is than the first game. Although I still have issues with this one. Um namely, it starts off, you know, very horror focused. It's like here's the introduction of some scary things. You've got you've got um what's her name? You've got the Mama Ghost, who's, you know, directly inspired by the Mama Ghost. Um, you have Chainsaw Lady, and these things come out and they're 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 introduced in freaky ways. You get really slow Introductions to some horror frights and imagery, but then the game kind of devolves into it's more about here's a bunch more zombies and here's fire zombies, and you know I just the game for me kind of broke apart later on, and that doesn't detract from how good I think it is. It's just I don't think I'm on the same level as um uh, as you i i just I didn't love it as much, and I know I gave the first game a pretty high score, but I think. That's more of a product of its time, and I guess how the overall experience made me feel because it was a fresh thing. Even then, two, I would give it—if I was giving it a score on the site—I think I would have given it maybe an eight, personally. Like it's—it's it's great. It's just—I don't like it. it gets, I hate when I hate when video games focus on a generic enemy type, whether they're you know cosmetically different or not, but they just feel the same throughout the whole experience. That was probably my biggest issue. Just here's variations of zombie people that run at you. Whereas the first game had so many weird things left and right. Yeah,
2: I, I, I agree with you. I would say that I'm, in general, like a tick lower than you, even. Mm-hmm. That, like, if you give it an 8, I'd probably have given it a 7. Um, and that's not saying I, I really enjoy the Evil Within 2. I think it's a from a pure design standpoint, I think it's a better made yeah, game than the absolutely. first game. But I think I enjoyed the first game more, um, and I f- have a much, I have much more desire to go back to the first game than I do the second. Um, you know, I I liked I liked the story, and we'll get into all that when we start getting into spoiler stuff. But I felt a lot of um, evil. Then two started to feel kind of like I know it, a lot of people. Um, complained about the evil with evil within one that it was just horror tropes yeah yeah um and that it starts to become generic whereas i feel evil within two becomes generic because it starts to become like video game tropes Mm. it's like oh it's crafting because of course a video game in 2017 has crafting oh it's it's open world because of course a video game in 2017 is open world whether or not it really even seems to make sense necessarily to the game that it's open world it just is um and I felt that even though systems and gameplay-wise it's more polished, I also felt that it had a lot more fat to it than the first game did. The first game, even though its gameplay was very clunky and and like you said, classic like PS2 kind of survival horror, um, I felt that it was also sh- like a very streamlined version of that in a way. Whereas Evil Within Two feels like there's a lot of kind of unnecessary bullshit you have to do to do anything in that game. Mm. Um, And I also agree with you with the enemies that Evil Within 1, much like its environments, even though it did feel very chaotic, that was kind of also the idea is that, that you're literally like trapped in this psychedelic, like, Nightmare version of of a Beatles music video that that nothing quite makes sense and the enemies helped reflect that the, you know there was the regular I think that the I think the zombie things are called haunted that there are those guys but there's like a bunch of different variations of them and there's like the big split headed things there's tons of different monsters evil then two is it had the same problem re seven had which is it has one enemy type and bosses yeah
1: I and I I definitely agree with that uh, I would say just more the design. Uh, of a lot of the stuff in the game is what captivated me and kept surprising me along the way, especially with the, as far as the narrative flow from open world to linear sections back to open world to linear sections. Um, But even in those, and I I do agree with you that the, at least aesthetically and artistically, the, the designs for the enemies aren't, aren't super interesting, but the way they use those, I think is very commendable. Even as far as, like I mentioned in my review, I had A time where i was sneaking around in an area i cleared before that had been repopulated and i was trying to stealth kill an enemy because i was still fairly weak and right as i uh turned the corner on a car a zombie jumps out of the front windshield at me (laughs) and that was just an incredible like it was this moment where i realized like oh this is what you can do with like a horror game in an open world setting. Because now that zombie is running after me and he's shrieking and he's alerted everybody in my vicinity and I have to run and hide and I don't have the ammo to defend them off. And it it creates those moments of tension. Um I, I would love to see the design of this game expanded upon uh, either in DLC or in a, a second entry, but I, I, I stand by my review score. I, and it, it's the design of this game. I think i like a lot of, games from bethesda where there are multiple ways to do things and there are these kind of more open sections and smaller sections i think wolfenstein 2 is a game that we're at least i've seen a lot of discourse on the range of how great it is uh and it's it's almost a thing of different strokes for different folks you know oh for sure
0: so uh something that's i still think the first game did far better than the sequel is the art direction like Evil Within Two is a fantastic, fantastic looking game. When I first launched it, I couldn't believe how detailed like the monster faces were in just general gameplay, the expressions they made, how they broke into pieces when I shot their faces. But I still feel the first game just has generally a better art direction. Um, Just going through the first game's um, bosses and just environments like the um, the village or later on to the city, you can just see that they added like each area was uniquely designed. Whether they added new filters. Or different layering to the graphics, like each area had like this unique haze or grit to it that made the game really just pop. Yeah. Especially in footage or screenshots. Where the second game is just, oh, this looks really photorealistic and then oh look, there's something weird in there. And that was their that was their fully that was fully their intention with this game, as um John Johannes told us in our um art overview. But I still feel like the first game just benefited more
2: yeah the first game definitely has a style it has a look like you can look at a screenshot from the first game and be like oh it's the evil within yeah whereas this one i feel like it kind of looks like any other bethesda engine game like i know it's running on a new the stem engine Mm -hmm. but it's it's just an advanced version of id tech and it looks like any other
1: id tech game to me yeah Um, yeah there i mean there are definitely like sections in this game that if you just took sebastian out and the enemies out and showed me a screenshot I, I could mistake it for Wolfenstein.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that's great for them, because I'm, I'm so glad they made a dedicated engine for the oh, series, for sure. uh, assuming it continues. Or, it looks great. The lighting is phenomenal. The the game I, I don't know about how the performance is anywhere else, but performance on PC is generally pretty good. Um, it, it
2: it chugs a little bit on Xbox.
0: Yeah, this this there's, there's, there's some chugging. I think that's just generally what happens when you try to take an engine meant for linear levels into the open world. Um, I would harder. I would
2: also add though that since you mentioned lighting, um, something I I did think could have been a lot better. The lighting design is really good. The game looks nice, mm-hmm. but one of my favorite aspects of the first game that really creeped me out was how unreliable light sources were. Because you had that stupid little lantern that that was more of an area of effect rather than like a oh, reliable yeah, yeah. flashlight. And as such, the first game is so fucking. Dark. It's almost pitch black in certain areas, and in this game, the flashlight is just the the circle of it is so big, and it it really drained tension out for me.
0: Mm. I didn't think about that. Um, let's see, what else exactly could I really bring up? Uh, I wanted to could do some pros and cons versus um uh, this game to the first. I guess so. Pro, um, it's mechanically so much better um although i do feel going back to crafting i felt like while the system was there i never felt like i was ever good at it i constantly felt like i never had enough resources the environments didn't arm me with enough to adequately fill anything have have either of you used the machine gun ever after it was initially to you yeah, it's very
2: difficult to find ammo for that.
0: Yeah, it's really hard. I only have three bullets, and I've spent like ten hours. Yeah, I will, getting I, it. I
2: will say that that crafting, like in the field, because you have an option to just yeah. craft wherever you're standing, is almost useless. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it requires—I I don't know if it's like fifty percent more or what—but it requires more materials than doing it at a workbench does. Um, it's and workbenches are so frequent in the world. It's like most of like the garages. Have a workbench in them, so why not just wait and, and get there? I, I never felt that the that I was low enough on resources that uh, potentially sacrificing more of my uh, building stuff would 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 benefit me in any
1: way. Um, no, and I I agreed with that because as I beat the game for the first time, I was like, wow! I barely, I totally forgot about uh, the fact that you can even craft in the field. But I have also heard people talk about them getting stuck at certain points and not helping them out, and I feel like that's it's kind of a fail-safe mechanic more than anything. Mm. I can see that.
0: Um, let's see. If I had to give this a con against the first game, I guess I would, you know, just still stick with the visuals. I think for if they do an Evil Within three, I really want them to kind of go back to a surrealist kind of thing. Maybe they can even have, you know, just certain points of the game. Where not technically an other world transition, but when some, you know, when freaky things are going on, just really accentuate the the, uh, the aesthetic of the environments. Because this one, I just never got that same level of, oh, wow, this
1: is really nice. This looks
0: great. Take a screenshot.
1: I think the first part of that game where you're wandering through that hotel as soon as you get into STEM, uh, up until when you like hit the town for the first time and it's this really slow tension building exercise where you're introduced to Stefano. I think that that's excellent. Yes, and I, I want. Agree. I wanted ten thousand percent more of that because once you get out into uh, Unity, it or Union, sorry, um, it becomes a lot more like Silent Hill and just a regular town, and there might be some crazy stuff going on visually. But I wanted some like real messed up. I was actually hoping what they would do was like. Uh, Stefano had gone through the entire town. Ah, uh, see, and that could be really art, cool, Like, yeah. Joker style,
2: yeah. Stefano's art gallery. It's it's actually funny. I was talking to CJ about this when the game first came out. Um, it might sound fucking morbid, but I would love to have a book of Stefano's art.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it um, looks it looks good. Like it's it's, it's cool it's, to look at.
2: It's really cool looking. It's it it reminds me of. I know that people think it's super cheesy, but I it reminds me of everything I love about uh, the Walking Dead's opening. Um. And and the end credits for Resident Evil Seven, um, I just I love the way that sort of stuff looks. Um, but uh, I, I completely agree with you, and that that would be my major con uh, against the, the that I put the first game over the second game is the first game while it did s- drift towards action towards the ending, especially the final boss is just like you're using a turret and shit against it. It feels very goofy. But this game gives like almost wholesale gives up on horror after like an hour. Yeah. And it just becomes this like stealth action game with like a horror dressing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I I agree with that. I think, you know, especially when you look at something like Resident Evil 7 where the first time through that, that is a nerve-wracking game. Yeah. Entirely. Uh, yeah. It is a, but it's also a very different game. And I think they trade straight up horror for more tension which is what I think the first Evil Within, like, that's what sticks out to me, that the opening of the first Evil Within is this very slam-bang, high-tension thing where you're running, you're escaping, you don't know what's going on, but as the game goes on, and you start getting a little bit more ammo, more guns, I think it is still kind of that same action, but the thing that always got me was the tension of, I don't have enough ammo for this. If I use this ammo, oh shit, I missed a shot, you know? And that's... That is, to me, what the the feeling of old school horror is more about than anything.
0: I I felt like they maybe probably directly in response to the first game, um, because I remember when that first came out, um, multiple people were citing how long it took them to escape the butcher in them. I remember thinking, "What the fuck? You suck! <laughs> what are you doing? What's, why are you taking so long?" It's like you'd run. That's it. It's not that hard. But apparently, people didn't realize uh, the whole setup. But Anyway, I felt like they might have went a little too far in easing the difficulty down on this game for the base uh, difficulty.
2: Yeah, it's, especially it's, I never that felt I think like that I was this challenged. game's this game's hard mode literally says that it's the normal mode from the previous game.
0: Yeah, It's just like which I feel like I sh- in hindsight I should have chose that to begin with because I did get through the evil Fun one on the normal difficulty and then I beat it on the hard difficulty and I think I did on the hardest, not the one that requires like get seven the okumo. Saves. No, not that one. The one before that. The one that's technically the same difficulty, but without the restrictions for saving. I'm pretty sure I did that one. And I I wish I played this one in harder difficulties, because I, I got to a boss fight, and it was never a, a situation where I experienced kind of a feeling like I did when I was in high school or junior high school playing a really hard game. And it took me multiple tries, and just awfully difficult, um, like Devil May Cry games or whatever. Yeah, This one was just, oh, here's the boss. Cool. I'm going to beat it in a few minutes. <laughs> it's not that difficult.
2: Yeah. No, I was actually, it was a really long time before I even saw like the game over screen, which is just the same as the first games. But oh, that is something that I will also say. Um, uh, I something I loved about the first game is how, uh, Sebastian, how made out of like, <laughs> yes, China, uh, <laughs> Sebastian shatters. was. Sebastian just comes apart at a tap, and in this game, Sebastian just like flops over, and I really miss, uh, how how monsters could just decimate him from the first game?
0: Yeah, without spoiling um, why it's a returning thing, we'll talk about it later. But there's a returning death animation from the first game where your head is getting caved in, and in this one, it's it's, it's kind of disappointing. It's, it's it kind of just it doesn't squish in like the first game. It just it's flat. Yeah, I don't know what that's. About. But yeah, I was I was disappointed too because that one definitely had kind of like a Dark Souls ragdoll chunks thing going on.
2: Yeah, it's like the, it's, uh, it was something that I always loved about like. The first few years, honestly, of playing Resident Evil Four is Leon has so many different ways he can die in that game, and it's like there are certain creatures. Like if you never died to a Novistador, you might not know that they have the ability to melt your face, and you'll see Leon's skull. It's like I love stuff like that, and it's I find it so I don't know, like boring. Like Resident Evil Five doesn't do that, Resident Evil Six doesn't do that, and Evil Within Two doesn't do that. Well, let's uh,
1: there and there were a couple times because I've played through the first evil within before this and to uh, to what you were saying about difficulty there are sections in that game and I forgot how fucking hard that oh, game yeah, can yeah. be it's, especially it's if, yeah. yeah, if you don't have all the ammo you need oh, you're just yeah. running around trying to to jank all the enemies into like falling over so you can set tenable on fire oh yeah they time. got
0: rid of that mechanic yeah I forgot about that that's yeah, kind of disappointing
1: Yeah, I, I was very surprised that the match mechanic
2: is just gone
0: yeah it's entirely gone Yeah, you just pop them
2: but, um. In oh, damn, fact, not, not to, say. uh. Not, not to, um. cut you off again, uh. I find it funny that in the first game, fire was like your most powerful ally. Mm-hmm. In this game, there are literally enemies that start on fire.
0: Yes, that is true. <laughs> um, speaking of that, I actually looked through the art book for the first game recently, and, um, there is an enemy type that's reused from the concept of the first game. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, you know, the okay. flamethrower. You know what I'm saying? That one's entirely yeah released. yeah
1: yeah, 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 um, I really, really dug the design of those guys, yeah, visually, I
0: like it, but uh mechanically, I wasn't uh so into them just walking around town and you know annoying me, didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really feel afraid, I was just like, oh, fuck off, um, let's see. Is there anything else you guys want to say before we jump to the spoiler section? Any other generic uh, uh impression stuff?
2: No, I just I, I do think it's a good game. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like it as much as the first. Um, and I'm hoping the evil within, if there is going to be an evil within three, uh, that it can be somewhere in between.
0: Right. Okay. I, I, I yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, just bring back some of the the style and the quirks from the first game, not mechanically, but you know, just the cool tonal and aesthetic quirks. And I, I, I think it'd be a great combination of the two. Jordan, anything else?
1: No, I pr- I pretty much agree with that.
0: Yeah. Alright, Um. so if you're listening right now, we're going to talk about spoilers. So we're going to go over the story. So, either pause this and stop listening and come back to it later, or just go away. Just get out of here. Get out. Go away. Forever. Alright, so, the Within 2 story. Overall, what did you guys think?
1: I thought it was pretty good. Like I said earlier, it it starts real slow. Um, but it builds thematically and, and kind of just through sheer repetition of what characters will say and yeah. act like. It builds a nice theme of Sebastian blaming himself and the mistakes that he's made. And then it uses that in interesting ways with its characters.
0: I think I'd err on the side of that it was okay story-wise. Um, definitely, I appreciate it that I can understand it which was great because the first game i didn't know what was going on until i played the dlc which explained oh this is basically someone saw inception and also the cell and decided to make a movie on that i mean make a game which is cool awesome but i wish the game made sense of that because it's kind of just you know not all too inspired this one though um uh the acting was a little wonky at the start and it's still at the
2: big at, the, at the all of it
0: <laughs> I mean, eventually, I guess either I got accustomed to it, or the actors started performing a little better. Like Sebastian's wife performed really well. Like I felt like j like emotional. I was like, oh, she's doing a really good job. That sounds yeah. so sad when she saw. No, I think I think
2: Sebastian's wife. Did, mostly, I think it's just. Th- and I I don't know I don't I don't want to slam a voice actor. I, I love voice actors. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it is that's playing Sebastian in this game, but he's awful.
0: I don't. I wouldn't say he's awful. I would just think. I, there was an element of the first game's voice acting which was factually bad <laughs> that no. I I that was endearing. I love the, the awfulness and the charm of it because it did feel like a PS two horrium where they were struggling to I, I did
2: feel like that was kind of the idea, though, is that all of them had the, and this is something that everyone always uses as an excuse for Silent Hill's awful voice acting: is that oh, it's you know it's supposed to be dream. No, fuck you. They're just not
1: actors. No, no. Geisy he um, specifically
0: said when I asked him, it, there was no intention for it to be dreamlike. Yeah, I
1: asked him that question it's, years it's, ago. It's just bad. It's just um, um a, it, this is what happens when there's a language barrier between a, a voice director and the actors. Yeah. Um, but I do
2: think that Evil Within one, while it did have bad voice acting, that there was like you said, it was charming. It's it, something about it felt right, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah. it fit how disjointed the rest of the world felt. Right. Um, and uh, and I also like uh, what's his name, Jamie Earl Haley. Jackie or Haley Jackie, Or, I don't know why I say Jamie as Ruvik, just doing his Rorschach voice again. It's like oh, cool. he's kind
1: of doing a
0: Rorschach Freddy voice. He does, yeah.
1: Like Freddy. He has a phenomenal creepy voice. Like oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's really, he's which is good really at that funny
2: thing. if you look into his history and see him back when he used to play like nice guys. Oh I gotta see that. Um, like he plays this like wussy dude on a movie called Um Strangers on a Train, and it's so funny because he's like <laughs> oh man no, um, <laughs> but uh, evil then 2 just sounded. A lot of the dialogue sounded like the actors didn't know what context they were supposed to be saying them in. Mm. like they like they didn't have the other characters' lines in their script or something. Uh-huh. um, it just it just sounded very it sounded a bad kind of awkward, especially Sebastian. It also it sounds like the actor's trying to do an impersonation of the actor from the first game, and I just don't think it's working
1: yeah. there's there were some times in there where I was like, it definitely it felt like uh, when David Hayter would have to play like Old Snake yeah and putting on a gravelly voice on yeah. top of a gravelly voice and it's just like oh i i think i can definitely see that and i think part of that has to do with that it is a this is a game directed by a native english speaker written uh the script is almost entirely written by a native english speaker but also made in japan right uh, so i think yeah. it's, it's it's the weird kind of schism that we used to see back in the day and i think I I wouldn't call all of it bad. I think there's some good. I think there's definitely some hammy stuff in there. Um, and I I got used to it. I guess over time there there is a certain almost Metal Gear Solid quality to it, and the emotional moments that it evokes. Where it's it is disjointed, but at at a certain point, I was kind of more invested in those characters and what was going to happen next than caring about how they were performing their lines. Fair enough. Um, I
2: can agree with that. And I definitely, like you said, um, the I can't remember the character's name, but Sebastian's wife did such a good job that she was really able to carry uh, the last act of that game. Yeah, the sure.
0: scenes, yeah, definitely. I did feel uh, pretty sad about watching them. Um, but going off of that, uh, the bad guys, I thought, it wasn't necessarily the performance, but I think conceptually, I didn't dig them at all. I thought Stefano was amusing because he's just like, you know, a pompous artiste who also just likes dead bodies. But I kind of pref- I I preferred him over um Theodore who was when he was introduced I was I was disappointed like oh this is the ultimate bad really this is what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to have you know cultist themes like maybe a castle for 10 minutes and I really didn't dig uh Theodore as a villain. I Theodor-
2: I, I, was- I I didn't dig Theodore as a villain from like a story perspective cuz it first of all it's like a it's it's a shock that he's a traitor, but at the same time, we didn't know he was a good guy to begin with, so he yeah. gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I felt that it suffered from the, the Fa- Far Cry 3 problem of you get really invested in one villain, and then all of a sudden, inexplicably, he's, written, someone else. he's written out of the story for someone much less interesting. Um, I do think Stefano... I, th- I thought Stefano... The idea of him and his artwork and the weird, freaky Twin Peaksy shit that he did was really cool, and I would have loved to see more of it. Stefano himself, I thought, could have been a lot better. The, yeah, he, his he,
0: performance was was awkward. It was it was weird. Like you know, you, you think of a, a pretentious artist artist man, you, that voice instantly comes to mind. Like it, yeah, it, it and very, I just feel far. like
2: I just feel like they could have done something more interesting. I mean, he really sounds like you know, picture that kind of. You know, like the the male equivalent of the 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 woman that designs the Incredibles costumes. You know, that's that's kind of <laughs> what he was. Whereas I think you know, if you'd given him a different persona, like give him like a Buffalo Bill personality or something, something creepier instead of funny. Um, I think yeah, I think he could have if he, if designed
0: slightly different. I think he could have carried the whole game, and it would probably given a better reason for them to have more interesting art design.
2: Yeah,
1: I I would have liked. I don't know. I would like a, a good personal villain uh and not not somebody that necessarily has personal ties to sebastian but somebody whose psyche you can get into And i think it was a little bit of a missed opportunity that's one thing i will say was interesting about the evil within one story is that you experience these kind of scattershot moments through rubik's life right um and and i don't think they they really sink those moments well but i would have rather liked to see I, I did like, and this is spoilers, but I did like so. uh, seeing Myra as a a villain force. Um, but I would have rather them had Sebastian fight Stefano to the bitter end and then go after Myra. Right. Yeah. Uh, At meanwhile, Stefano is getting crazier and crazier inside this world. And, you know, he can't handle the, the weight of so much creative power and like a, a typical, uh, you know, you're... Wow, what the sociopath? Yeah, like sociopathic, but also his ambition can't be like he can't match his own ambition type story. I think that would have been a lot more interesting than. And also, I have a another like small problem with the way he died uh, because he's about to take a picture of Sebastian right at what happened. Sebastian shoots him right. Yeah, shoots him right in the yeah. camera
0: lens, and then it goes through yeah. the camera. I think.
1: Uh, like that's cool. In like a devil may cry kind of way, but I really <laughs> wanted him to like I wanted Stefano to fuck up, drop the camera, and the camera captured him and kept him like in a that suspended state of animation. Oh, See, right. I, was, I was thinking it would have
2: been what I thought was going to happen is uh when he lifts up his camera, I thought he was going to ask Sebastian to take his photo. That would have been great too. Like that just both yeah, of those
0: that's what things. I thought. Yeah. That yeah, he becomes
2: I, part of the art. Because I again I loved the 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 morbid beauty of his art, especially that like um, you know, with this slow motion thing that the, the, the using blood, like a field of flowers sort of thing he was doing, yeah. um, with the, especially the, the exploding heads in the theater, like it was so horrifying, but also like beautiful in a way that's making me feel uncomfortable kind of way. Yeah. Um, like
1: the, and that's, I think that's his stuff is easily the strongest stuff as far as art design goes. And I yeah. uh, took a couple screenshots the framing of the environment and his art and the lighting, it works together yep. so well that any room where his piece of art is in, you could, I would make a strong argument is actually just a piece of art. Like, it's really fucking just well yeah. made. Yeah, um, like
0: be- I think that also attributes to how the beginning of the game feels more horror and oriented than uh, Theodore's section, because you, you pass through staircases with like a, a clock pendulum moving in between them, and you have full, like hanging dead bodies um, wrapped in bags and Mannequins arranged really, really nicely. Like it looks cool. It's a very cool sight to behold. But then later on in the game, you get oh here's you know some some, some skulls, some uh, prison yeah. cells, and and gunking candles. It care.
2: the shift feels very strange.
0: Yeah, yeah, it feels like they had multiple ideas and they said let's just do both when they could have just focused on one villain. And I guess this leads us to what potentially the evil within three can be because there might be hints of Rubik's return and he's technically still out there i think
1: god i hope so i have i have such a, a, a listen guys at tango if you're listening hit me up because i have a great idea for the story Three. please we'll bring jackie early haley,
0: haley, haley back too okay. just bring him yes. you can afford he,
1: one
2: afford yeah, one of them one just one celebrity voice actor you don't need it's not like anyone he's else. doing anything right now yeah. I, I can't even remember the last movie he was in
0: yeah you don't need ansem mount you don't need um jennifer carpenter as, as much as i would have loved to see jennifer carpenter come back i I genuinely like her as an actor, and I like her voice, and she got so much better in the DLC. I mean, we already got we got a new um, Kidman, so whatever.
2: She's okay. Uh, by the way, Jackie Earl Haley's latest uh, production is the new uh, The Tick. Oh, he's in it? He cool. plays a character called The Terror.
0: Oh, that's nice. <laughs>
2: uh, he was also in the Dark Tower movie that nobody saw.
0: Oh, yeah. I'll read the book instead.
2: <laughs> Poor Jackie Earl Haley. Oh yeah, he was in the Robocop remake! I'd wipe that from my mind! I
0: forgot, yeah, he was the asshole, um... Like, weapons guy. Yeah. Uh, But Hmm. going back to Ruvik, I I thought it was weird that they did drop so many hints about him in this. Like, they designed this game to be the middle of the trilogy without saying so. We've got um, a teaser at the end of the game, we've got Ruvik imagery throughout the game, we've got uh, Moira dressed as Ruvik for some reason, which is very weird. Like why? And there's
2: also there's also a point where, and this maybe I'm hearing something that everybody else isn't, but there's a point in the game where Sebastian checks his radio and it's just scrambled garble. You can't hear it, but listening to it, it sounds like it's an audio clip of Ruvik talking from the first game. You can't make out words, but you can make out that that way that he talked.
0: And like you can attribute that maybe to the flashback scenes, but even the flashback scenes contain very strange moments where. There was a um, bloody dialogue written. You can't keep me here. Yeah, what, who, like this. Is, this is supposed to be Sebastian reliving his nightmares, but why is that framed as if Ruvik is saying something new to him?
1: I Which... see, and I, I really hope that. And and one of the things I do like about this game is how it uses its super high concept sci-fi horror. Like it uses it much better than in the first game. Um, its storytelling. Mm-hmm. And the Lord that is created for itself. I really hope that because this this version of STEM is something that Mobius made from Rubik's design. I hope that Rubik is living on in there, like Ghost in the Machine style, right. and that Sebastian coming back in there and Rubik having been so integral into Sebastian's trauma, like reawakened him. Yeah, I I, uh,
0: I remember telling Rurk when I first started playing, or maybe I also told you as well. I I think Rubik is in. We, we we're, were thought to assume that he's in um, Leslie's body, wherever Leslie is, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. He could be, like you said, fragmented, and part of him could have just been left in Sebastian. So, you know, when he gets back to STEM, that could have awakened something. Because we see the machine turn on at the end, uh, end of the credits, and it's, I'm not sure. I think it's supposed to be implied that it's the original STEM, not 2.0. The room looks slightly different. It looks like it might be in a medical room.
1: I hope, I really hope that the first game starts off, and this is just what I would do. I would pull like a big Metal Gear Solid 2 on this. Uh, I hope that the first game starts off with like Sebastian. He's a little bit older now, but he's starting to like mentally break down and hallucinate. And Rubik is literally inside his mind and he has to go back into STEM. And then you play as Lily to go rescue him.
2: Ooh, Something,
1: uh, and I I like all of that. Um,
2: I, I definitely play that. Uh, But something I think, if you, what I kind of felt like might be going on, and I feel like it would be the ultimate Metal Gear moment, is um, you know we get we get to the end of Evil Within three, like the end of the trilogy, we we defeat Ruvik once and for all or whatever, and we wake up back at Beacon (laughs) fifteen years ago. Oh,
0: that'd be that'd be a fun and like one.
2: bring and bring uh, the original voice actors back and everything like oh, for God. just like five minutes. It's so I thought, I I thought that that's where this one was going. I thought that the reveal would be that we never left Beacon.
0: Oh, that'd be ballsy. Yeah, that would um, be a ballsy movie, especially
2: considering that it. I mean, I I get that it's like this super Japanesey weirdness with the storytelling, but it's. Fucking stupid! What that if? Lily is—that Lily was kidnapped by the shadowy organization. by yeah. sheer
1: coincidence. I think. Yeah, I think. I think. We should they talk wrote about wrote whole Mobius thing. I, I feel like the first game wrote themselves into a hole yeah, exactly. where if they wanted to extrapolate a more personal story, they had to. And I, I'm I'm glad that at the end of the game, Mobius is pretty much done. Like it's 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 not going to continue as like an umbrella style thing in the future. Um, and Also that, you know, all the technology and all their crazy shadowy shit that they did is out there for everybody to know about. So I think another interesting thing for Evil Within 3 would be how does the world deal with this kind of uh, this kind of technology? I think there's a lot of implications for like even DLC, you know, you could play as this unrelated, entirely unrelated story using stem for like, oh, here's this detective who needs to, to find where this killer is hiding his victim. So he goes inside that his That would, would
2: actually be really cool, like create a DLC or, or something like that Basically that worked like, um, that yeah, worked like Fear... Um, what's it called? Ex- uh, Perseus Ex- Mandate, I think it was, where we were just playing as an operative for... Yeah. um.
0: Yeah, Is that one the one you get molested by Alma? No, that's Fear 2. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was weird. Man, um, and then changed. Fear
2: 3... WB, it molests you. <laughs> um, bad game, bad game. Yep. Um, which I, I will, a quick aside, I did really like Sebastian's story, and I, I liked everything that's going on with with, uh, with his wife and his daughter, and and it really brought an emotional core that I felt was missing from the first game, because the first game felt like that's what it was leading to, with all the notes about Sebastian's past. I thought that the big reveal would be that, no, Sebastian's just crazy. Um, they kind
0: of just squeeze in that context there, which was so strange yeah. at the first game. And at least the DLC tried to connect things, and the sequel just um, said, okay, let's make it all relevant. Because yeah. now Moira um, worked for Mobius, and yeah. they needed, um, coincidentally, this little girl to make the next project work. It's like, it no,
2: it feels very like Star Wars, like, fucking Vader built C-3PO? What? Yeah. <laughs> um. But that said, I also was... Even though I get the idea that the, the ending of Evil Within 2 is ultimately, like kicking the ass of everything that was evil within one you know we go through that boss rush of all oh, the mon- so of good. all the bosses from the first game we um you know Mobius cheesy, is, yeah. is is cheesy but but it was but fun yeah. it was a cool moment um and it made you feel powerful it made you feel like you had advanced that these things that were so terrifying in the first game that literally from a story perspective no longer frighten Sebastian yeah. and that they defeat Mobius my problem is that defeating Mobius felt so um convenient mm. it just it, it reminded me spoilers for an ancient game now but like the ending of Gears of War 3 they literally just push a button and the locusts go away and it just it it really reeked of we couldn't figure out another we wrote ourselves into a corner by making this organization so powerful so they have a magic button that makes it all go away
0: yeah i was i was honestly surprised that the big bad mitt romney like dude just died i was like oh i thought he would survive to you know continue this thread that mobius is a a thing he was kind of hyped up pretty pretty big in the dlc and then this one he just he just dies like everyone else
2: well that that was the other thing is in the dlc for the first game he was like this you never saw his face he was this shadowy you know man in black kind of thing and this game like you're five minutes he's like hello
0: yeah you see (laughs) his face
2: it felt it felt very strange, but it again I felt like a lot of the game. It felt almost like it very deliberately did not want to be the first game.
0: I think they had to do that though. The first game had a bad rap for just making no fucking sense.
2: Oh, I understand. Yeah, um, and I agree. Um, I just it just kind of goes back into the thing where like I I feel like there needs to be somewhere something in between.
0: Yeah. Um. Another story thing. So just speculating on. I, it's funny speculating on such silly silly games but uh, i find it really silly like it's 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 a charmer but it's 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 not a great story i don't i wouldn't say i didn't love it but i do i was entertained thoroughly by it i do like speculating because it's fun i want to see where the third game goes but jumping from that i want to talk about why the why all the teasing and subtle nods to oda my man joseph oda yeah
2: what the fuck what? was that uh, about? like oh, know, first honestly... of all the game
0: first game treated him like shit Now all of a sudden, this game is going to bring him back. I'm, I'm, I'm also, I'm happy with that. Cool.
2: You're, you're happy to be back in the yeah. I'm back. I'm back. Um, I, I, I will say that I hadn't actually been thinking about the idea of DLC because it didn't come with a season pass. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be DLC. Um, what if the reason that he's so hyped up is because he's the DLC character? That's the and I was
1: thinking that because when I when I interviewed them, they were very coy about any DLC. I mean, like. Everybody's coy about everything because it hasn't been revealed yet. But I'm Mm. wondering if they didn't get the go-ahead for DLC because they were unsure of how this would sell. Yeah, and then I'm wondering if how if these sales are going to allow them to do DLC. That's a a that's a very that's a very excellent observation. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I I really hope so. This game, this game needs to sell well. I think it generally deserves it deserves praise, it deserves recognition, and it's gotten a lot of praise. But also, needs the sales, and I. There's no indication whether this game was successful or not, which yeah. is kind yeah, of worrying. I heard boring.
1: some tenant, like as soon as it came out, somebody was out there saying like, oh, Evil Within bombed, but I didn't see any figures to back that up. Um, it, it's going to make me real sad of this game. And, and I think part of that is probably this has been such a fantastic year, and this is a phenomenally busy season. But it's when been- I see things like You know, Call of Duty World War II and Need for Speed Payback or Ghost Recon Wildlands taking the the top slots on what people are buying. I just I get real sad.
2: Yeah, well, I think the other part of it is is that even from Bethesda's point of view, it must be really. I I mean, I'm I'm assuming that their numbers are adjusted for what they expect these things to make. But you know, think about how bookended by Bethesda shit Evil Within is. I mean, Evil Within two. It was immediately followed by Wolfenstein 2, is immediately followed by Doom uh Switch, is immediately followed by Skyrim VR, is immediately followed by yeah. Doom VR.
0: They're basically doing their own like seasons of madness that Konami did. Yeah. They're saturating the market with all their games. And they're all good games, which is like it, a at the very least they one. aren't
2: all the same franchise. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um but I it's would uh, kill for another like
1: four silent. Hill games.
2: Oh, and and I forgot, Skyrim's coming to the Switch, and that's a completely separate release from uh, Skyrim VR. Um, <laughs>
1: lots of Skyrim,
2: lots of lots of the the six year old game that they're still selling for sixty dollars. Yeah. It's... Um, but uh, it's it, I don't know. I, I I hope Evil Within has a future. Um, I I think it's a great young franchise, and we certainly need something like that. Um, cons- like I, I, I want to think of evil then as being this generation's Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. I guess. Um, I certainly don't want to see it die.
0: So, so, uh, based on that, based on all of our comments about the mechanics, I did want to mention something. And this is, of course, no, no, I'm not meant to disparage at all. But I think John Johannes did a far better job than um Shinji Mikami. And I'm not agree. sure. I'm not sure whether that's just a generational thing or their unique uh, ideas of what makes a good game. But I thought this game was just mechanically so much better. And I don't know if Shinji Mikami he wants to be in a producer role, which is good. And I felt like he should stay there. Like, I don't know if his if his direct input had really made would have made this game much better. Like yeah, I mean, it's, it. it's
2: it's one of those things where like we only ever saw um, Mikami as having his reins held by wait, by Capcom mm-hmm. and even when he did do other things like Shadows of the Damned he was only one part of Shadows right. of the Damned um and then there's the other thing he he directed um Vanquish a game that I don't think anybody's ever played
0: it yeah it actually got a lot of attention recently cuz it did come to PC and people were like oh my
2: god finally yeah um, But like when it originally came yeah, out, yeah, I yeah. don't remember anybody talking about it. I that remember being the only person that I knew that cared because I knew Shinji Mikami directed it.
0: That game had a similar storytelling type as described earlier. I don't know what it is, but it's. it's I wish I could name it. It was just a
2: type of... It's the Final Fantasy type of storytelling. <laughs>
0: I don't know. It's very strange, but like it felt like... Yeah, I felt like, okay, yeah, Shinji Mikami did this one also. Like, it yeah. felt like his kind of game um, storytelling. Yeah, but no, uh,
1: I, I think there's a lot of... And you can look at it just throughout the game. There is a shit ton of Arkham Asylum influence. Oh, yeah. um, Which I I, that's one of my favorite games ever. So no problems there. And then even in some of the cinematics to gameplay to cinematic at the end, that one part where it goes like, again, spoilers, we're we're deep in uh, when Sebastian busts through that door. And then you're just playing as Kidman, and Kidman busts through the door, and you're back playing as Sebastian. That was pretty that was, cool. Yeah, that was, that was pretty I was good. like, sorry, sorry. it did that, and I was like, oh shit, like that's <laughs> that's some like naughty dog type shit. So I think by taking a lot more Western influence, uh, mm-hmm. which John Johannes did, I think it it definitely turned out to be a better product overall. Um,
2: no, I, I I absolutely agree. I just like I said, I want something in between.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I want more J
2: horror injected back into it. Uh, you know, we were talking about um, mechanics, and something I would like to talk about because I've never, I haven't seen anybody else agree with me at least. Um, the the my biggest complaint from a gameplay standpoint for Evil Within Two is the goddamn safe rooms. Mm. The safe rooms are like a fucking onion. There's like six layers to them, and I don't understand why that is. You go to you go to a safe house in the open world where you can drink coffee, where you can save. Where you can craft stuff. Then you, in that safe room, you go through the mirror into Sebastian's world place, where then you can interact with with the slide projector and his little table of Bethesda goodies, and the area is like strangely big, where you can also save and also use the crafting system. And then there's a whole separate room where you can go and you can play Resident Evil Four's um, target system thing. Uh, shooting range, and then you sit down the chair and get sent into a completely different thing that has <laughs> its own set of menus where you upgrade yourself and you talk to the nurse lady and you you look through um the safe, which is actually another point into maybe this is all still happening at Beacon because she never offers yeah an explanation what is, what, what is as to her? why she's still there. I like
0: guess like I was gonna assume like oh maybe she's just a stem AI, but no, she's she's in, she's intricately tied to Sebastian's personal thing. Yeah. So why but is some? I'm guessing it's just, it just by felt his mom.
2: It's be his mom. <laughs> maybe. Um, but it just it just felt so con- needlessly convoluted. And like I was talking earlier, where, where the game felt like it had a lot more fat than it needed. Mm. So I'm like, why are there so many layers to something that in the first game was ostensibly three rooms, but you didn't have to go through, like, I guess there were Always. doors. but but like it, it wasn't or loading like, screens i guess loading screens yeah it was just that like there was the part of it where you saved there was the part of it where you leveled up and there's the part of it where that had the safes and i guess there was also the part that had that like map thing but who gives a shit i don't think anybody cared um it just it it feels so needless to me that there's like multiple places all in the same place essentially where you can save and then there's like the slide projector why is that a thing? Why can't it just be instead of picking up slides that we take to a machine that we then press a button to then look at and talk to Kidman? Why isn't it that we just find a photograph in the world and when we pick it up, we talk to Kidman? Mm, that's true. Like, I, why you is you there know, so many that. steps?
1: I feel like that's... I, I think that works two ways. That's something else to do when you go to a save room. It uh, gives you, you know, on top of crafting is like, oh, I need to go back to my save room because I got to use these upgrade points. I got to do this. Uh, and then also I think it's some of the stuff that you find, like you find a slide sometimes and you're in the middle of a fight. Um yeah. Or you're, you're trying to, and you know, you don't really want to do it then, but that, that you're absolutely right. That could have been from a menu. I feel like it was more than anything. Just let's flesh out a little bit of the story and give them something to go back to so See, yeah, it, it felt like it was a
2: combination of fleshing out the story, which I agree with. I, I want, I liked what we got from their conversations. I liked how it built. Kidman and Sebastian's relationship, considering that we didn't even really know Kidman as Sebastian in the first game. Um, she was just like a an NPC that kind of floated, floated in the background. Um, but, like, there's only... I think there's 12 of those slides, and once you get all of them, that now means that there's a good, like, 30% of that area that is completely useless to you. <laughs> um, I don't know, it just, it just felt like a lot... Of busy work, just kind of padding shit out that it didn't really need. Um, it, it, it felt like a Rube Goldberg machine that I'm, I'm pushing a button that turns a lever that pulls a crank that also pushes a button. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. It, was, it did feel like there was just too many
2: steps. Um, and uh, and just because I'm looking at the screen here, uh, I don't know if any if anybody listening heard it or if either of you guys noticed, but the Evil Within Two has this theme that's very beautiful. It has this very beautiful um string theme that it plays. It's on violins and cellos and shit. Um that plays whenever like something touching is happening. That sounds so lawsuit levels of close <laughs> to the theme from Inception that it really distracted me.
0: Don't tell anybody. We need the game to keep money. <laughs> yeah.
2: It just it, it felt and it's a beautiful theme, don't get me wrong, and I loved it in Inception too. It just it felt very awkward how close it sounded and it might have just been it might just be a coincidence but it feels strange that they're both things that deal with like being inside of a mentally constructed reality that they would have such similar themes
0: Hmm. we'll have to ask bethesda legal and then you'll get a game patch a week later there we go um let's see i'm trying to think of we did some speculation for evil within three um personally i hope it goes back to um Ruvik, I would like to see him as a bad guy again. It, it definitely served their writing team better to have one villain to focus on. Um, clearly, he's a loose end to the whole Stem and Mobius saga. Um, whether whether we need the return of Sebastian, I don't know. I would feel like that's going to go. That's going to verge on kind of like diehard territory. Oh, Got to go yeah. back in.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. With like, I liked uh, I liked your idea, Jordan. That it's like. That, that it's encroaching on his real world and then combining it with what I was talking about, that like maybe he never left Beacon. Um, I also kind of... And this just came into my mind, and this might just be me, because it's something I feel that... for, Even though it seems like a really obvious idea, I don't feel like I've ever actually seen it anywhere. The idea that Sebastian realizes that he's just like an NPC in this fake world. that what actually... do. At one point, yeah. I thought the game was going
0: to do. At one point, I thought the game was going to do that. Um, when... when um, I can't remember her name. The um, Hispanic woman... When she said, like, "Oh, yeah. I thought you were dead." Like I thought that was going to lead on to something.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I really liked her. By the way, I forgot to say, like, oh yeah, she kicked all sorts of ass. The moment, like one of my favorite, and this is just such a, like, and I again, I'm a dude, so don't necessarily take all the writing tips from me. But one of the <laughs> funniest moments I've seen somebody just really briefly categorize. As a like a good strong female character is when Sebastian goes to lift up the log for her, oh yeah, and she just like pushes past him and lifts it up and says like get, "fucking get under there, old man." It's a yeah. subtle thing. No, it was, it was, <laughs> it's, it was great. It's really good. Um, yeah, she's fun. Yeah, I, no, do I, value I love her. As uh, like, her. Especially considering that that's
2: such a, like an archetype because like there's baskets, yeah, I was from just say, aliens, yeah. but I would say that even though it is an archetype, I still think they did it well. Yeah. Um.
0: They didn't bring a lot of attention to. Here's this strong Hispanic woman. She was just she was she was there.
2: Yeah, and the, and it, it felt like Sebastian wanted to bring attention to it, and she was like, "Fuck you." No,
0: <laughs> I did feel sad that they got rid of her so quick. Yeah,
2: um,
1: but I, I don't know. I feel like is with... that was actually sorry. I, I that was another moment that I thought was actually pretty like pretty well crafted. The point where Theodore is like is telling Sebastian like you need to hey just like let's talk this out for a second stop just shooting everything in your way and then sebastian just gets the instant karma of shooting his friend yeah um, it felt which very I was much like, like, oh, like shit a, that's like really a, good it
2: felt like a saw moment yeah <laughs> um of just like the thing that you that you think is that you're doing is right is actually wrong
0: yep proving the villain right um
2: but yeah no it's um i i i i, I hope that considering what A literally limitless playbox, sandbox they have with the concept of STEM. And it's actually funny. Zero Punctuation just put out their review, and uh, he says exactly the same thing, is that this universe can literally be whatever they want it to be. It does not have to follow certain lines of logic. Obviously, if it wants to tell a good story, it has to follow some, but not all, especially in the way its world is set up. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that they... Learned that from this game, and how more. I mean, most of this game is just a neighborhood, and I really yeah. hope that that Evil Within Three, if it happens, can be a little more loose with it, with what it wants to do. Right.
0: I think yeah. Take the hub world, keep it, make it cool, but really transform it over time. Add really cool individual linear areas if you want. Like, make make because I want memorable locations. I get that going back to the visuals of the first game, like you remember what this looks like. This just looks so striking and unique. Each different place you go to, you know
1: what I would actually really like, and this is going back to again, total speculation, going back to my idea of bringing Lily in as a protagonist Mm -hmm. is if, you know, Rubik takes Sebastian back to STEM and the open world becomes this kind of combination of Rubik's mansion in a kind of a, you guys know, like the Winchester mansion. It's just like this nonsense maze of corridors and stuff. Like, turns into this constantly shifting, surreal mess of that kind of aesthetic. Yeah, but like, then uh, also... what's there, there's an artist that did
2: that shit. There's like staircases leading up into the ceiling. Yeah. MC yeah. uh, uh, Escher? Yeah, Escher, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, Escher type stuff mixed with, you know, down this hallway is a section of Union. And then we, you know, you learn a little bit about Lily and her time in Union and what that did to her. Uh, I think, I think there's room to combine the two. But yeah. Uh, For
2: sure. And that's something we we talked, we touched a little on the the boss rush, Um, but it's something I feel that a lot of games can learn from uh, in general is, man, nostalgia can be so impactful emotionally, Um, not just for like, oh, you know, I remember, you know, Zelda or something like that. But like, my favorite moment of Dead Space 2 is going back to the Ishimura. And one of my favorite moments of Evil Within 2 is being back in Beacon. Is it's? Is, I feel like there's so much impact. I mean, there's a reason that Resident Evil keeps coming up with ways for characters to end up back in the Spencer Mansion, even though it was literally blown <laughs> up.
0: Um, something I wanted to bring up earlier uh, about, um, I guess it goes to one of your points in the doc, uh, Jordan. More personal villains or things like that. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily exactly the same thing, but the enemies, like the significant enemies, the Mama Ghost and the Chainsaw Lady, I feel like they were underrepresented in the game. They popped up and there was really not much to them other than a few appearances. Um, particularly the mama ghost. There's this whole thing about how people are seeing her and she's basically what's making them turn into haunted. And then she just goes away.
2: Yeah. She it, just disappears. It, a lot of the games suffered from that same sort of like Lucas Baker kind of thing where there's a bunch of really interesting shit that just sort of evaporates.
0: Like the chainsaw, the chainsaw woman disappears because final is defeated. Okay. But that didn't stop them from existing in the first game. Like, these creatures had their own, like, moments. They had their own sagas that you had to kill them off for good. This game, they they were just reoccurring enemies, and then they just stopped, which I was really disappointed by, because I wanted to know what the Mama yeah. Ghost's deal was. Like, why was she... Like, at first, I thought she was referencing uh, Moira. That's what I thought she was going to be. Sounded like she was trying to punish Sebastian. She was like, oh, Sebastian, come after you. But I... What, what was, I, I was so disappointed they didn't do anything with her. Other yeah, than a few of the good horror scenes from the beginning of the game. That's ah, a shame because I really and, wanted more of that kind of getting stalked thing. Yeah. which doesn't happen in this game after her.
2: Um, and I w- I would also say that s- similar with a lot of points like her, um, and Oda and stuff not really being wrapped up. I also feel like the whole like second half of the game, you know, after we defeat um, Seba- or um, Stefano. Is, uh, I feel like there's a bunch of stuff that just kind of goes away. Like the open world elements just kind of go away after the movie theater section. Like it's still open world, yeah, but like I don't really recall any, um, like side missions after that. You can't
0: really do anything because it's the whole world's bombarded by fire dudes and then, um, I guess the fire golems, like, yeah, do anything and then the exploding flesh balls. You can't yeah, explore those, really.
1: Those enemies I did not enjoy.
0: Yeah, they just they did the same thing in the first game too, where they just flooded areas with a ridiculous amount of enemies. Yeah, that was, and that that was the other frustrating. Thing. And
1: this this is like a
2: modern game thing. Um I found it strange in both Evil Within 2 and uh Zelda Breath of the Wild. Both of them huh. have these weird like explanations as to why these areas we cleared out now have enemies in them again. It's like, "Oh, you know, the um like the the, the big camera eye is like making the haunted spawn in, in places that you've already cleared out. And Breath of the Wild has a thing where there's a blood moon and all the enemies in the world that you've killed come back to life. And I'm like I don't know, in my in my head I'm just like, yeah, I left the area, they respawn, obviously. It's very gamey. I, I don't I don't need a cutscene.
1: <laughs>
0: um I'm drawing a blank. I don't know if you guys have anything else. Really? Mm-hmm. We can he discuss.
2: Yeah, um overall, you know, I th- I thought it was a great game. Um I definitely think it has flaws and overall I feel less incentive to go back to it than I did the first game. I still play yeah. the first game on a pretty like not regular basis, but like, you know, like once every 3 months I'll kind of go back to it. Um but it's it's even though it's the second one, it's a great start.
0: Yeah, it's a great start to what the series can be.
1: Yeah, I I really hope Bethesda has been a good publisher, like despite their, you know, stuff with Skyrim and their weird paid mods, like they're a publisher that gives a lot of creative freedom and a lot of trust to their developers, especially like compared to EA or Activision. Right. I I hope that we get a third game. Even yeah, if yeah. this doesn't set the world on fire as far as sales go.
2: I mean that's that's always the thing with horror games, is we're such a niche audience strangely even though horror always seems to be something that everyone kind of comes back to and everything else betrays them <laughs> it's it's like people talk about like you know taco bell was there for you when chipotle was closed you know horrors like horror games are always you know there in the background when the new call of duty sucks or something um but it seems like a very hard market to to crack necessarily yeah and
1: i mean especially when like we're in a this year has been crazy as far as massive open worlds and games as services and loot boxes and here's this even within is a you know it's like a 15 hour linear game and there's plenty of replay value but like what you see is what you get pretty much
0: yeah I hope hope it does well enough to warrant the third game I think the series deserves that Um, I was mentioning earlier, earlier that we did get a lot of really good horror games this year a lot of great games in general this year 2017 was a Oh yeah. Wonderful year for video games. Horrible year for everything else.
2: Oh yeah. That was it's it's <laughs> it's it's uh everything's balanced. Yeah, um, right. But uh you know it's, it's especially funny with you know EA, you know, the single player game is dead then how come all the good games this year were single player games? Sure. Um but uh no, I mean I I I I know I've said it before on Whispers in the Dark and, and like our Google Hangouts. Um, but I definitely feel that we're in like a horror renaissance, especially not just with games, but in movies and comics. Like it seems that horror is making a big comeback. And I'm hoping that um you know, Evil Within can 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 keep up. Um, especially as Resident Evil it seems to be literally the only thing keeping Capcom afloat now. Um Yep, I mean but, it's
0: surprisingly uh, their best uh, release this year, it sounds like.
2: Yeah, I mean Street Fighter Five did not do great. Dead Rising 4 did miserably.
1: They won't, they have, I don't even believe they've mentioned what Marvel versus Capcom has sold yet. <laughs> no, it opened. I remember cause people always put out the UK stuff immediately after launch. It opened at like number 11. Oh um, shit. It was, it was really not like bad word of mouth about that story mode kind of sunk that, uh, but oh, I, like bad word of mouth. And then people just comparing
2: like the character models.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I do think cause they have monster hunter world coming up in January. I think that will probably probably do pretty, pretty big for them. Um, Yeah. Especially as they've kind of mainlined it to make it more like, you know, newbie friendly, but also God willing, they put out um, a new Devil May Cry sometime soon. Yeah. I
2: mean, apparently, uh, I don't know who it is. There's, there's somebody that was involved with Devil May Cry 4 that for years now has been making these like really cryptic tweets and shit that
1: sounds like. It was, it's uh, because I saw this earlier. There's, the director of, like, Devil May Cry 3 has been very coy when asked about it, but also the voice actors for both Nero and Dante have been, like, like. there's just, there's so much stuff out there that there's no way it's not in some kind of development. Yeah. And I, I just want to see that game.
2: Yeah, I, I I mean, I'm really hoping, I mean, Capcom, you know, I know that we've bitched a lot about, like, Resident Evil 6 and, and Umbrella Corps and stuff like that in the past, but they're, they make my favorite games, bar none, um, you know, I, Resident Evil, like, I grew up with. Phoenix, right, is probably my favorite series of all time. Ghost Trick is my favorite game of all time. Um, so I just, I, I want them to succeed. I just also want their games to not be bad. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I brought Resident Evil up because it's, it's good for these things to have competition. And I, I hope to see, you know, Resident Evil and Evil Within, you know, being able to have another great year together.
0: Yeah. It'd be nice to have another year where they... The, th- the third one. Well, I guess not the yeah. one for Resident Evil, but you know. The follow-up yeah, well, like, release well, like, is the same year, you know, as like 2019 or, or something. 3
2: versus The Evil Within 3 or something.
0: Well, Revelations can die. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> give me give, give me RE8 now. That's what I'll I I'll take I'll take another Re- Revelations in between now and RE8. Between yeah, but in replace in a place of no no oh no no yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get we'll, no, we'll probably sure. have we'll probably have remake too by the time yeah by oh, twenty nineteen yeah. or
1: something where, where the hell is that jeez
2: Uh it's it's only been in development for two years it's I'm hoping that we'll maybe see like a pre rendered cinematic trailer at PSX I hope so like um if for anything I mean I'm excited don't get me wrong but for anything else just to shut the fuck up people on Reddit yeah. It's like a weekly thing
1: where people will go, Is RE two remake cancelled? It's like, no, it's fucking
0: they're working on it. Shush.
1: I, <laughs> I am curious to see what they do with it though. Like they could go they could go full third person, they could go behind the camera, Resident Evil Four style. It could be just like the original RE remake, or they could do it fucking first person now.
2: Yeah, honestly. Like, I, I my, anyway. my hope is that best I mean, honestly what I expect is it to just be over the shoulder RE four that's that's what I'm just going to assume it is until proven otherwise. My best case scenario is I think it would be great to just have like press the back button and switch camera.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, give um, okay. us both.
2: I, yeah,
1: I think like as far as the original tank controls go, RE4 style would work better if you're if you're remaking those environments and those enemies and enemy patterns. I think that would probably be the best way to yeah. go. But who knows? They could. I don't know. Like that's it's such a big mystery. Like with. God, remakes are going to be such a crazy thing in like the next decade as we're getting into like the Final Fantasy VII remake and just completely changing games. Yeah. It's amazing. Games are awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: No, for sure. Um, also, Although that said, I would not at all be against RE2 Remake having a VR mode. Um, I loved Resident Evil Seven in VR, and the idea of fighting Mister X like a Ooh. childhood nightmare in, in the hallway. reality, oh, in the hallway with the music and everything That'd be nice. is is nightmare fuel, and I love the idea of that.
0: They could do, yeah, they could totally do that with just like another teaser, like they do with RE Seven.
2: Yeah, um, boy, there's so much. It's it's crazy. You know, RE Seven's almost a year old, and we're yep. just, there's still stuff coming. We just gotta our uh, a, a bunch of new trailers for Not a Hero.
0: Yep, our Game of the Year, uh, Horror Game of the Year award is going to be very, really interesting this year. We have so many contenders.
1: And yeah. speaking of RE7, I bet... Like, I, I still put money on that there's going to be a Switch version of that at some point. Oh, Maybe. for sure. Well, I'm pretty sure that Capcom actually, like, asked Nintendo to yep. beef up a
2: processor.
1: Yeah, uh, before the Switch was released, like, when they were shopping it around to different publishers, Capcom said, like, hey, would you be able to just, like, Raise this up a little bit so we could run the RE engine on it, and Nintendo was like, "Yeah." So nice. And if, if friggin' Doom can run on it, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Seven can run on it. Well, wasn't yeah.
2: that wasn't that always the the like the classic PC benchmark in the '90s? Like, can Doom run on it? And then yeah. in the. And then in the 2000s, it was can can it run Crisis? And now yeah. it's can it run Doom again?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I hope um, it's never Crisis again.
0: Before we finish, there we did get one question from our uh, Discord channel from Ultimate Carl asking were you guys taken out of the experience by the easter eggs slash references at all? Honestly, the game wasn't remotely scary beyond the first 10 minutes, picking up a freaking Quake rocket launcher toy and hearing said, quote, the Hercules blooper at the shooting range. Uh, Completely wrecked the atmosphere for me. Um, For me, personally, it takes a lot to really scare me. I'm more upset by the ga- the latter half of the game. In t- like, just design-wise, not being very scary like the first half was, or at least not trying to be. Uh, the references I found Odd, but they were amusing to me. I, you know they're just references, maybe a little too easy to come by, like the Hercules one. I was just playing a normal game mode, and that's what they threw at me. So I was like, oh yeah, that's weird.
2: i um i I agree it takes it takes a lot to scare me, so I, i'm I guess I'm not really a good judge of that. I do know the things that I thought were supposed to be scary that I liked and the things that I thought were supposed to be scary that I didn't think worked. Um, I wouldn't say it drew me out of the experience, but mostly it made me feel kind of like. I I don't know. Like I was in a Bethesda like brochure. Mm. Like there was like you know look at all of the other major franchises we also own.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, which is, I mean like I I don't know if if I can be negative that. When I also love it when Capcom you know includes a little Easter eggs and shit. You know it, it's it's freaking adorable that there's a restaurant called Jill's Sandwiches in Dead Rising One. Mm. Um, but then again that's way less overt than picking up an actual Vault Boy bobblehead. And it making like a like a cash sound, although or picking up the little Doom guy in it, just playing E one M one from Doom one.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Of- I love that stuff. There's th- there is a underlying silliness to a lot of that stuff, like the uh, the Hercules reference. The there was a moment, and somebody just posted this on Twitter where I didn't even see where. If you talk to, I guess if you exhaust all the. Uh, dialogue options with O'Neill, it, there's a point yeah, where... Yeah, that was great. ...where <laughs> Sebastian says something like, well, not only that, but there's evil within, too. And then and they, they both like... just look into the camera for a second. <laughs> like, I think, I think my favorite so part good. about that is that it's so clear that them looking into the camera
2: wasn't motion captured, they just, like, turned their yeah. heads. Yep. And it looks super fucking awkward, but it, it
1: makes it funnier. Yeah, I love... Like... It's great. I love games to have a a sense of humor about things. I don't want like good art is not necessarily just one hundred percent serious all of the oh, time. Oh, for sure. And those, and those moments of levity do help. They they can help make a world and characters more believable and likable.
2: No, I I completely agree. Um, I just I just feel that maybe making the 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 Bethesda secrets maybe just like a poster for Doom or something rather than like a thing that you pick up and now you keep on a desk.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, that is. He that could have weird. had a console in his in his office or something.
2: Yeah, I mean, like one of my favorite things is uh, in in um, visceral's, visceral's last game, uh, Battlefield Hardline. Uh, you can actually find some dudes playing Dead Space, huh. and it, and they're like, "How come the dude in the helmet never talks?" <laughs> uh, it's like that's cute. I like that. This is this very kind of
1: quiet cool. aside. Yeah. I I can see I can see why they did it. I thought they were fun. The first time I found it, I was like, "Oh shit, now I just have this, you know, Vault Boy bobblehead on my desk That's that's neat. That's fun." Yeah.
2: Like I I guess I sh- it didn't distract me. Um I think maybe it could have been handled more tactfully, but you yeah. know, I don't know. It's an Easter egg, who gives a shit?
1: I yeah. I think Bethesda is trying to build this idea of having a a family of games and developers under their roof yeah, where yeah, every yeah. like you're going to find you know, little Easter eggs to this in that, and Easter eggs to this in that. Um, I yeah, think well, some... they had that a uh, Bethesda Land thing for yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is just maybe tying into that a little bit, uh, which is fun. You know, if the if the developers want to take that kind of pride in being under the publisher's banner, I think that's cool. That's neat. I, yeah. I like all those games, so no
2: harm, no foul. Yeah, for sure. You know, oh God, it would be crazy
1: if they did if
2: they decided to end up making a game that was like that was Bethesda World, the game where it's oh, like, oh God. Uh, Sebastian, you know, and uh, and like the lone survivor from Fallout versus like Parthenox or something. That'd be okay. silly.
0: They might do it. Who knows? They could
2: Bethesda versus Capcom.
0: They'll probably yeah, contribute characters to if, if they ever make another um, battle royale, whatever it was. It's PlayStation's Smash Bros.
2: Oh, p- p- PlayStation's last ditch effort.
0: Yeah, there's a rumor that's coming back, but. God, I want that to
2: come back so bad. That that game was so close to being amazing. I I think it would be really great if they could just get more licenses. Yeah, because if they were eight. if they were able to make it something more, something that felt less small, like just it did, less
1: PlayStation focused.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. it was really cool that they got Isaac Clark and, um, a Big Daddy in there, despite them not being PlayStation exclusives. No, and they got, um, they got,
1: you know, they got Dante and Raiden. Like, Dante fighting Raiden is friggin' rad, and then you got Heihachi. And, yeah. Yeah, they, the- they did the work for those. Um, but that said, I felt
2: that it was, it felt strangely poetic that the, like, the PlayStation knockoff Smash Bros. got Raiden, whereas Smash Bros. got Snake. <laughs> um, but I would like to see that return. I love the idea of that sort of crossover thing. I mean, I I don't own Injustice 2, but it's fucking amazing that it has that you can have Batman fighting Hellboy and the teenage Mutant ninja turtles. Like that's that's too good to pass up. <laughs> um but yeah, that that would be a cool thing to see return, especially considering, you know, Crash is back and 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 stuff and like that. There's
1: plenty of great characters from this era too. You could have the hunter from Bloodborne and Aloy from oh, Miles, yeah. and like there's There's a lot of places I think you can go, at least a lot more now than there were then.
2: Yeah, and and also there's, um, and this probably means nothing, but uh, Microsoft has been super open uh, about saying that, like, yeah, we'd do something with Sony. So, like, I love the idea of having something instead of PlayStation All-Stars, just having it just be called, like, All-Stars Battle Royale and have it be, like, there's a version for PlayStation and a version for Microsoft. So, you know, do a cross-platform thing. Imagine... Imagine the orgasm heard around the world of, <laughs> master, of Master Chief fighting Nathan Drake.
0: I mean, that would be, like, a no contest. One of them's just no. a dude. But... <laughs>
2: Never mind that. Well, one of them's Never just, mind a, just a dude or, or that can like, take a bullet to the head and just go,
1: ah! I mean, but, like, also you're talking, like, what about Master Chief versus the Doom Marine? Yeah. Come on. like, we're, we're opening up doors here. I, yeah, yeah, fucking... I hope. A you know, get and,
2: and ha- with Bethesda, have, like, the the... Um, The sadist, the chainsaw dude from Evil Within fighting Marcus Phoenix with like two chainsaws versus each other. That would be amazing.
1: I will say uh, one thing that does bother me is that I, I want more merchandise from the Evil Within games. Like I really want, I want a Keeper something like a, an action figure or a Funko or something because I just love the design of the Keeper so much. Or the Executioner,
0: sorry. Um... But I guess that brings us to a close. Got our Evil Thin two thoughts out. Hopefully, um, we see something else come from it, from the series. I would love to see uh, positive uh, comments regarding the sales and um, crossing my fingers for this. Uh, This this game definitely brought the series to a larger audience and deserves the accolades. So I hope good things come.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, Look forward to it.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening. of course, you can follow us all on Twitter. I am CJ Melendez underscore.
1: I am Bad underscore Durandal. I am at Sissel the Cat. Please, if you're listening, um,
0: go to the website. Of course, check everything out that we're doing. Go to all of our social media pages. And if you feel so inclined, if you have a dollar to spare a month or more, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com/slash Rely on Horror. Toss us a few bucks a month, like a, a, a can of soda, a coffee a month, basically. And you get some cool exclusives, and you also support our site, so we can afford to do better things, um, just survive. Because you know the ad based revenue is really tough, especially for niche publications. So yeah, just, if you if you enjoy our content, give us give us the equivalent to a coffee a month. That's nothing. Yeah, we'd super appreciate it. Um,
2: and and of course, you get special bonuses. Yeah. Uh, for for supporting us, get early access to the Rely on Horror show, which uh, most recent episode is our most uh, polarizing one yet. It's uh, me complaining about Resident Evil Vendetta, and the next one perhaps will be even more polarizing because it's me saying why I don't uh, think the other bad Resident Evil things are as bad. Yeah, I think that's
0: going to be needed because people seem to gloss over the fact that the live action films are self contained and don't affect the good stuff in the Resident Evil series. They're also,
2: they are bad, yes, but they're also enjoyable to watch. I don't sit there feeling like I hate myself through them.
0: Hmm. Um, you also I get don't know.
2: The... Vendetta was pretty funny. I fucking hate <laughs> I, I, it, it's The only reason I don't think it's the worst movie I've ever seen is because Batman v Superman exists. Um,
0: also you get our commentaries for horror movies, and a whole bunch of us you get an exclusive Discord role as well if you want to have a special color. You can have a special color in our Discord. Isn't that the best thing in the world?
1: Yeah. I know it's not
0: amazing, but <laughs> you, you look cool. Everyone's going to ask you, how'd you get that shade of gray? And then you tell them how. So thank yeah. you again for listening. Uh, I'll see you next time, maybe with our Game of the Year awards. Um. If you have any ideas for a future episode of the Whispers in the Dark podcast, feel free to pitch them in the comments for this post that's going to go up with this with this episode, and we'll consider them. Um until then, stay tuned for our hangouts and such our streams on Twitch and everything like that. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Bye.